episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe or ever listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. I am so thrilled to share that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Motto. Motto is the new no-nonsense hookup app for gay and queer people. Hookup apps have become a stable in queer culture, but they also come with bullshit. Headless torsos, blank profiles, catfishing, and endless scrolling of the grid for hours. We've all been there, but on Motto, every profile is verified by a real human and every photo has a face. Motto sends you daily matches of people who match your interests and kinks. There are no fees, no ads, and no nonsense. Get Motto today by going to tinyurl.com slash mottoblocktalk or visit the link in my link tree. Motto, gay queer hookups without the nonsense. And as always, follow me on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok, and Michael Block Talk on Twitter slash X at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaternow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. I choose you, Survivor Nerd, to be voted off the island. Power struggles are beginning to bubble over on an all-new swap tribe as they start to position themselves for the next stage of the game. So will the alliances they make now help their numbers later? It's time to talk all things Survivor 45, Pelican Pete's private island. And joining me is a super fan who couldn't roll their eyes faster at the shenanigans of this show. It's James. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for that introduction. Was that an accurate introduction? Um, I would say I'd say some of the time. I, I'm not yeah. rolling my eyes all the time. But not all the time. Um, But for those who follow you, uh, absolutely. um, You have hot takes and I appreciate them. (laughs) Thank you. Um, All right. Well, fun fact, friends, we officially got to meet a couple weeks ago at um, the RHAP after party shenanigans. Um, That was fun times. and, And there was a lot of this cast there. Yeah, I think I think almost the entire cast was there. I think maybe Drew wasn't, but mm-hmm. um, actually during the taping, I was sitting like a couple of rows behind them, so I was basically watching them the entire time. And the funny thing is too is that Rob was like trying to pretend like they weren't there. Right. I guess because like they weren't supposed to be. So it was funny like just seeing all that happen. It's it's always the, they're told oh it's the cousins the cousins because right. like I I went to the event um in Raleigh last season um where i met jam jam heidi and carson yeah um, i was like oh the cousins are there I, but at this point cbs just like stop just let them enjoy the moment like let them put them on a gag order don't let them talk but like let them be there and enjoy it yeah well, i mean especially because if you're not gonna have like an official finale or reunion party right. like they have to give them something you know so i don't blame them for you know trying to make the most of their of their moment Exactly. And and I think this was probably the biggest gathering of a single cast, um, not for a reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good for them coordinating this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I say go for it. All right. Give me your initial thoughts. Five episodes into Survivor 45. Um, It's been interesting, you know, because obviously this is the first season with the 90 minute episodes. Initially, I was a little more hyped on it. I thought, oh, you know, this is great to have an additional content. We're getting so much more camp life scenes. We're definitely getting more fleshed out characters. I think maybe this was the first episode where I was like, okay, this is dragging a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. I think they probably Mm -hmm. could have trimmed it a little bit. And I think it's interesting too, that like with these 90 minute episodes, they're still not doing a reward challenge. So like, what's the point, you know? And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it because I have, I've pointed out a couple, wow, this is what we get for 90 minutes. 
Um, but with the reward challenge thing, it has been said that they knew going into this season it would be 90 minutes. Why are they right. not doing it? Right. I don't know. I mean, like, I, it has been nice to see, like, additional camp live scenes. Those are the type of things that I appreciate in Survivor, just, like, stuff that's not 100% related to the strategy or whatever. But going back to the same tribe, like, three times and it being the same storyline, you know, especially mm -hmm. with um, the Red Tribe, I forget, Reba, and, like, just the constant thing with Sifu and everything. I was just like, okay, like, we get it. You know what I mean? It, I felt like, and we'll, we'll discuss it. I felt like this episode was a setup episode for future plot lines. Right. Yeah. Especially because, you know, they're going to merge next episode. So. Exactly. All right. Well, it was a wild tribal, and now it's time to come to terms with it. The girls are quiet, as Sifu will say that his name coming up was a surprise, but the girls are not ready to talk about it. Do you think it's fair that they're not ready to talk about it, or are they just like pissed off that they got uh, fucked over? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I kind of loved that D wanted to get Sifu out. It reminded me of when uh, um, Dina wanted to like keep Shauna despite her wanting to quit. You know, I mm -hmm. think the idea of like keeping an alliance member against their will is really funny. Um, so you I just you just mentioned a throwback to um, a, a season that people probably don't even remember. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a big Survivor Amazon fan. That was an Amazon reference. No, I, I love it because I, I, there are people who are like, oh my god, this is unprecedented. That they almost kept it. No, it's happened before. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah, yeah, I think like I think they were kind of mad about that, and then I just feel like in general they just don't really care about Sifu. So they don't really like care that much about like sparing his feelings or trying to like appease him or whatever. Um, so I think that's why D was like so comfortable just lying about the whole situation. Well, Sifu will try to get D to talk as he will ask her if she was surprised to see her name, and she says, "Of course." Sifu says he was surprised the name was came up, but claims it's the name of the game. Right. Now D says that tribal council couldn't have gone any worse, as it should have been Sifu going home. Now he's pissed that one of them voted for him, aka D. She thinks he has been causing chaos the entire time. Is that true? Have we seen it? What? What? Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting comment, too. I guess that's like something that maybe just got left on the editing floor. It doesn't mm. seem like he's being like overly confrontational or whatever. I think maybe he's just like, no, he just loves the fucking machete. Right. Yeah. So I think they're just like annoyed by him and want him to go. D will then do something very interesting as she will lead the question of what the girls wrote with Sifu sitting beside her. Now, Sifu says he wrote Sean with a smiley face. Jay will say that she wrote Sean. And then D will jump in to say that she wrote Sean, too, causing the bus to run right over Mama J. Oof. <laughs> um, if I were her, I would not have been happy. Yeah. Julie will then come in and say that she's guessing Sean wrote Sifu. And he's like, nope. He will reveal that Sean on the way out said to him that he didn't vote for him. And Julie is now feeling sick. She didn't think Sean's parting words would throw a grenade on them and says they were not only nice to him, but they were about to save him. Listen, if you can make an impact on your way out, more power to you. At least your name stays in people's mouths. Yeah, that's true. Julie now knows that if this is true, one of the girls wrote Sifu's name. They all think he has an idol. So if they go to tribal again and they will all vote for Sifu, he can take one of them out by just naming one of them. So Sifu will try to press the girls again and Julie will stand firm that she did not write Sifu's name, as will D and J. Now, having this conversation through the light of a fire is possibly D's best opportunity because 
you can mostly hear, but you can't really see the facial expressions. But as someone who has been deceived many times in my life, it's usually <laughs> the one who doesn't put up a fight or have a defense to be worried about. Julie and Jay really pushed their argument. Well, D kept a curt, short, sweep. Mm. If you were Sifu, would you have been able to decipher D's lie? I think Deep did a pretty good job, actually. Yeah, I think, like you said, like I know, like Jay Maya was like all insistent. It was like it definitely wasn't me, you know. And I feel like when it's that kind of situation, those are the people that you're like more suspicious of. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's fair that um, anyone who wants to play the game of Survivor should play a round of like Werewolf like a hundred times before going out there? <laughs> Wait, what is that? The the game Werewolf or Secret Hitler or one of those games Mafia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like Mafia. Um, yeah, I guess so. I think that definitely helps, you know. I think lying is part of the game. So if you are good at it or like have experience doing it, not that mm -hmm. that's necessarily a good thing in your regular life, but right. it definitely will help you in the game of Survivor. Sifu is suspicious and thinks the ladies deserve an Oscar for their performance. He is going to do some recognizance and figure out the mystery. Good luck. Um, leave the machete at home, please, because that's very <laughs> scary. I really don't like that he's always with a fucking machete. <laughs> Let's go another, visit the kids. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's another Amazon throwback with my uh, with uh, Matt always sharpening the machete. It sure is. It sure <laughs> is. All right. Let's go visit the kids on Bella Beach. They are so spent. Austin wants PB&J and then... We're going to zoom into Kendra salivating as she says the words savory, sweet, nutty, and soft. Sounds like she's been to the Eagle before. Oh, my God. <laughs> Austin says 10 days is the most difficult day so far as he is starving and has no energy. Meanwhile, Emily laments as she's always wondered what it would be like to die by starvation. Such a positive one, isn't she? <laughs> Could you imagine if production actually let someone die? Like, it would be historic, but this isn't a horror movie, which maybe I should write it. Like, could you imagine, like, a horror movie where they're filming a reality show and people die? Well, have you ever seen, like, I've never watched it, but I've seen, like, the Wikipedia um, thing. There was, like, a season of Survivor, like, Bulgaria or something. Mm -hmm, and, like, mm -hmm. someone actually died. Like, he, like it was, that like, true. in its 50s who, like, had a heart attack. And then yes. they just like kept going. I was like, how do you keep playing the game after someone? Right. Died? Just the trauma of being around him and then being like, oh, yeah, keep going. No, 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 no. <laughs> we will then have a montage to the Bella Blue people talking about food. Like words then cut to a new position of lazing around the camp. Emily wants Jeff to come on a boat with a fruit platter. She wants chicken and a glass of Merlot, a bowl of vegetarian chili. Austin wants all you can eat sushi. Brando wants fatty chocolate. Um, that's got to be a drag king somewhere on the planet, right? Fatty <laughs> chocolate. What is the one food item that you would crave? I think, um, I think definitely peanut butter. I like. I've heard people talk about this too, just because it's like, like salty but also sweet, and it like gives you protein. So, like, I think like practically that would be like the one thing that I would want. Would you get naked for it? Look, are we going back to Amazon again? Of course. Only if there's Oreos, too. Oh, of course. Now, after this little clip show moment, we will cut over to Kendra, whose spidey senses are tingling. She found a worm. And this is how to get people not to apply for this television program. <laughs> She's going to grab the worm and is deciding what to do. As Austin says, you just put it in your mouth, swallow it, and it's done. And he, too, must have been to the eagle before. <laughs> Brando will tell Kendra that this tiny ass worm is 70% protein and 30% poop. Yeah, that's not the encouragement she was looking for. Mm -hmm. 
Kendra tells us that as a kid, she would save the worms after it rains, and now she is about to chow down. But she is a Libra. She can't make up her mind. So she will get a little crazy and just toss it down, chug water, and yeah, nope, it's not going to go. Girl, you got to bite it. You, you got to bite it. I know it's a texture thing, but just like chomp and it's gone. No, I would have just swallowed it whole. Would you eat a worm on day 10? Yeah, I would. I mean, if I was hungry, I definitely like at that point, if I was hungry enough, I would eat a worm. I think this was an endearing moment for Kendra because everything we've seen from her has been quirky. Mm-hmm. But she's going to tell her friends that she took it like a pill and got stuck in her throat. She spit it back up. And this is why we have 90 minute episodes. Graphic details of things we didn't want details of. <laughs> yeah, right. Worm one, Kendra zero. Now, Drew thought that Kendra was going to be a yoga mom, astrology nerd, an aunt, and let's not typecast here, but yeah, he, he kind of got it right. She's a character, a lot of fun to be around. And then we're going to have a burp moment montage from Kendra. Um, he compares her to a wind-up toy with so much energy. She says He says he, she has this much energy because she is happy and loves being there, which will explain my depression on a daily basis. Drew claims he will never understand how Kendra thinks, but wonders if part of the magic of Survivor is that all those different isolated worlds come together, collide like marbles. And he finds that exciting. So obviously this little bit for Kendra. Is it for the 90 minutes or is this giving us a let's warm up to Kendra because you're going to see her long term? Yeah, I think it's a segment that definitely could have been included in a regular 60 minute episode, maybe just like edited down a little bit. But, you know, they usually tend to have these, like, little character-building moments in the regular episodes anyway. So I think it—I don't, I don't think there was uh, no point to including it. Now Kendra will ask if they all believe in aliens. And 10 Days on the Beach, Emily has now changed her tune. Um, I don't know, maybe she saw some in the sky. <laughs> um, They're going to be the Alien Alliance. Now, we're going to get back with Burp and Kendra tending to the fire as Nerdy Brando tells Nerdy Drew that Kendra's cool. And don't worry, friends, the real nerd out is coming. <laughs> but first, 24-7 Kendra can also be a lot, as Brando tells us that he was never really that close to Kendra when it came to Odbello. He says being out there with her as his only lifeline is terrifying because he doesn't know how much he can trust her. So at this moment, he was ready to throw her under the bus. But nerds rejoice. Drew is going to reveal to his new friends that he plays Pokemon competitively. Now, can I ask, as I'm not a pokey nerd, what the fuck does that mean? Does he, like, get paid to catch them all? No, I think it's kind of like um, like a cup, like battling between people, kind of like a tournament or something. That's what mm-hmm. I think. I haven't done it, but I can't, like, hate on it too much because, like... Because you dressed like, up as a fucking Pokemon for Halloween. I, I did, I did. And I've been playing Pokemon since Generation 1, so it's been, like, something that's been with me throughout childhood. But I don't think that I'm at the same level as Drew and Brando. Well, Brando's going to light up and see his soulmate and tell him that he plays Pokemon Go every day still. Good for you, kiddo. Um, I will try not even to break down the conversation that these super nerds will have about raids and legendaries and and statistics. And again, I know these 90-minute episodes are here for extra content. um, And I know this is slightly part of a plot point. But the way I watched this, I kept thinking, why? (laughs) Brando says that he can nerd out with Drew and is enjoying his presence so he thinks it would be cool to work together now with Emily there he will say that they are they are the smaller nerdier people on the tribe and says it's not often that they have a whole bunch of nerds that's not true but okay yeah no I as soon as he said that I was like 
have you watched the show before? Like, especially lately? Like, right. Catherine, um, Adeline, then, Marianne, like, what? And, and, if, and it's fair. They left by the time um, that Kane and Carson met and Kane nerded out big time. So I understand why Brando would think that he's the novel doing the same thing. Um, well, but you're season, right. Though. Yeah. Well, because they, they they went film. They I think went to film before that episode would have aired. No, I know, but like it's not like it hasn't happened like in right, previous season. <laughs> Now, Drew floats the idea of if they will get Target for being smart people, come to merge. And Brando's like, nerds never get to go far in this game. And then my baby twink Carson's like, hold my Pepsi Cola because beer is gross. Um, <laughs> come on. Again, I, he doesn't know that Carson did well, but come on. Brando will tell Drew he is open to a nerd alliance. As Drew says, he thinks Bella is strong as a rocket until someone from Bella goes home. It's a false hope. Okay, that was a little aggressive. <laughs> Brando, well, it's just lip service, but Drew says the Nerd Alliance is garbage as Brando is just about the last person in the world he wants to work with because he doesn't want six original Bellows standing as strong unit at the merge. Now, Brando says it's not music to his ears, and Drew is like, bad luck to you, but Brando will continue to say that he would be open to voting off of Bellow when the merge comes. Brando is now forced to work against him if he won't work with him. Do you think Drew is way too power hungry and shutting down Brando despite the result of this episode? It could have been a game ending moment for him if Emily was not on board. Like she is the only reason why his ass is saved at this moment. Yeah, I think it's just a bad survivor tactics in general to like turn down an alliance, even if it's someone who's like your adversary, at least like mm-hmm. pretend that you're going to work like, with them. Just like an improv. Yes. And doesn't right. have to be true, but yes. And it. exactly. Brando has now solidified his bond with Kendra as he tells her that Drew gave off very heavy Reba versus Bella vibes. So it's Drew and Austin versus Kendra and Bella with Emily in the middle coming to Fox this fall. <laughs> Emily in the middle. I would watch that. Brandon will chat with Emily, who he tells is in the best spot. And she doesn't believe it, but she knows she has to know. He will tell her that they are comfortable with her. Emily knows she is comfortable spot and states that old Bella is fighting for the numbers in a post-mortage world. Who can they have on their side? Well, it's Emily. Kendra and Brando will pitch that they will be her numbers, but let's look at this image. You have super quirky vibey girl and Pokemon trainer on one side, then Pokemon trainer and a literal Adonis on the other. Methinks I know who I want to play with. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like Bello and Reba both have the same amount of numbers, so it doesn't really make a difference, I guess, in terms of like who Emily wants to go with. Right, and that's what always killed me about this whole episode with Drew's like, strategy and thinking you're going to be the target right adonis himself will tell emily that kendra and brando wouldn't want to take her far but he is truly down he's down the clown and if you are austin listen you're no carson but i'm down the clown too <laughs> emily has received lobbying and is an asset to both of them she initially wanted to work with austin and drew but looks at the numbers and says old bella looks like the place to go mm-hmm. why do you think she assessed that 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 she wants to go with bello instead of yeah. reba if the numbers are equal. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I was confused as well. Like it doesn't like she could really go either way. Do, do you think it's the positioning of both sides and seeing maybe the cracks or maybe the things that she may have heard about the other four on the new Reba? I guess so. And I guess the other, other only other thing I can think of is that the the Reba tribe only has Rebas at the moment. So I guess if like mm-hmm. they were to have lost that challenge, 
then like that would have been a guaranteed loss right. for them. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know like what her uh, ultimate like positioning is. Well, Emily has now promised both sides she is voting with them. She is so torn as she can see a path forward with both of them. The pressure is on to make the right decision. Let's go check in with the musical stylings of Jake, who can now make new sounds on his belly. Thanks, Survivor. <laughs> it's time to go crabbing. Now, Jake has to stop being a lazy fat ass and says, get up, and then stops. And Jake, once again, will take a tumble. He's down. All right, what is happening? Why are we not seeing medical? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe because Kelly was there, which, like, shouldn't really be, like, a burden for her to, like, have to deal with that. But I guess also, too, because, like, it was the second time it happened and, it, like, it didn't seem like it was anything that serious. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He'll get up as the rest of the tribe is a bit unsure of what the right move is. And he's going to put on a brave face, but something is going on. Now, Kelly will have him sit down and she tells us that this is a similar episode as what happened at Bella Beach. She will tell us that he loses consciousness and then regains it. Now, I actually had something like this happen to me in my late teens, early 20s, uh, in and out and years of testing, no results. So I kind of feel for him. Uh, It is very scary for both him and the people around him. Um, But at the same time, it's kind of embarrassing to feel the loss of control. Mm Mm-hmm. Jake is pissed and he's doing fine in the challenges and just gets up and passes out. And Kelly tells him that he just stood up, got dizzy, and his blood pressure dropped. No biggie. No biggie at all. Kelly, the nurse, says she is happy to step in as it is a natural thing for her to do. She wants him to not go to the worst case scenario of they will pull him. Mm-hmm. Now, again, do you think this is an occurrence that happens more often on the show than we think, but it's just not integral to storylines? Like maybe other people have like low moments that medical comes in just checks her blood pressure and all is fine and we move on yeah 100 percent. and even the first time too it seemed like that happened just because he like was standing over the fire and it looked like he right. inhaled too much smoke i don't know what the situation was this time but again i really do think it just looked like he stood up too quickly and like got mm-hmm. dizzy um but yeah I, I guarantee that like this kind of stuff happens all the time and it's stuff that like isn't deemed important so it just gets like edited out Jake will lament about what he has done with his body for the last two years, that he's pissed that he's just giving out. Time for a flashback, and we haven't really had one of those this season. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad we Jake got Jake tells us, before he came into the game, he weighed 287 pounds, and the pictures are there to prove it. He says he wasn't feeling too good about himself when he was overweight, as he had a serious binge eating problem and knows a lot of people out there who do it and don't talk about it. He says you have to face them, acknowledge it, and don't hide. He says the day that everything turned around for him was when he was eating in his car outside his family's house and his mother came out and told him that he doesn't have to be embarrassed what he's doing. She loves him no matter what. He was not okay with this lifestyle and knew he could do better and overcame it, and he did. He's worked hard and felt better saying that Survivor is not something he could have done two years ago. Through the tears, we're going to have a lot of triumphant music in his confessional, and he says Survivor is his absolute dream as this is a celebration of all of his hard work and everything he overcame. Jake doesn't want to be pulled. He'd rather be voted out. When he feels his body give out, he's frustrated. It stabs him right through the hat. And yes, that Boston accent gets very thick with certain words. <laughs> he says that if he's going out of the game, he's going out fighting, not falling. He is getting to the end of the game. He is a survivor and he's going to survive. Now, listen, if he quoted the iconic Destiny's Child song of the same name, he would have been a legend in my book. He did not. And therefore... If I do get on, I will be quoting this shit out of the DC3 song, as well as, uh, as the Reba hit song. Um, it's getting to here. <laughs> right? now, as, far as, story line, as far as storyline is concerned, 
Why this moment now? I don't know. I mean, yeah, they could have done it in the earlier episode, I guess. Maybe they had more filler that they needed to fill up. I think they probably would have done it eventually. The only thing that I had a problem with was, like, I just felt like it went on and on and on. Like, they definitely could have cut it out a little bit. Um, but I think probably in general, it's setting up something, you know, whether it's Agreed. kind of like the journey edit that we get from a lot of people nowadays where, you know, you might not necessarily win, but you, like, make it far into the game. Um, so I guess, when you know, they're they're making us say, keep an eye on Jake, uh, you know, regardless of what happens. Caleb and Jake and Kelly and Bruce are going to go get water with the realization, oh, where's Katora? Oh, no, not a good moment for my preseason winter pick. She went to the beach looking for crabs, only to find an empty camp. So the lady thought, no sitting, let's go hunt for an idol. Um, do you think that was smart for her to do, or should she just have sat at camp twiddling her thumbs? Mm, I think she probably could have done it in a more sneakily way, but it seemed like the yeah. way that she was doing it was so obvious that like everyone caught on to her. So... Now- that was a bad we one. will watch Katora look her ass off only for us to know that yes the idol has been found but let's be honest it walked out of the game with Sabaya was it replanted we may never know mm-hmm. Katora will be caught by Caleb and she will try to play it off but Caleb is like did you have any luck looking uh and she's like no I was looking for papayas I mean just production like replenish the fruit for each season because like how, how do they grow so fast well, yeah, I mean, especially because they've been on the same beaches since season 33, right? So I feel like Literally. they have to, like, have had a depletion of natural resources at this point. Now, Kelly is going to give us a new perspective from her end on Couture, calling her a hot mess, sloppy, and legitimately concerned about her. Interesting new take. Now, her fellow OG Bella members will question if she has something, and Kelly thinks it's very obvious as it was in front of everybody. Bruce will say that they now know her gameplay and will say this is her temperament. Kelly understands Bruce's hesitation with Katora as she thinks she's a liability to play with. But we're going to watch Caleb and Katora walk where he alerts her that people saw her looking in the big tree. So now it's time to get defensive. She will tell us that he wanted to stop her before the others got too close. Is it a peace offering, a real alliance brewing? Well, we will then cut to Katora saying she's a hundred percent on board, and then Caleb hugging her. And sure, there's a lot we've missed in this conversation, but then it's all set up for Caleb, who tells us that he is a big fan of the law of attraction, and the last part of the word, action. All right, so cut to Caleb chatting with Jake and his desire to work with him. Why? Well, Caleb is revealing his superpower is one-on-one relationships. The only person he does not have a connection with at this point is Kelly, and he knows that every person wants to work with her. Caleb thinks if he partners with Kelly, he will have the most control. So we will watch them chat where he does reveal that there was an idol on the beach and Sabaya had it, but it's gone. The bombs dropped. He feels that this was the last nugget he had in his pocket and used it to gain trust with Kelly. He wants to keep her close as he feels she is the best player on the tribe and he wants to make sure she knows Caleb is not a name that needs to be sung anytime soon. Do you find this aggressive yet passive gameplay from Caleb? Is he doing what is best for an odd man out in this position? Yeah, I think so, 100%, because he's just doing basic survivor good strategy, which is to have a working relationship with every person, you know, regardless of whether or not it works out. Um, It's not a good idea, like how Drew did with Brando earlier, to, like, shut anyone out, because Mm -hmm. it could be a potential option later on down the line. And I don't think he's being, like, overly aggressive with it. I think he's just being his natural self, and he's someone who's naturally charismatic and charming. So he's using his best attribute to um you know get a good 
footing in the game. Well, it's time for old man Brucey to tell a story about his 30th birthday since they all believe on that beach that he's the only one over that age. But we know the truth, Miss Katora. We know the truth. Mm. You've had your 30th too. <laughs> anyway, no one cares about the voice or the content of the story. Miss Katora is still banging on the gong that Bruce is annoying and notes that she saw Bruce tone down his Bruceness to get to know Kayla, but it was only time for him to get comfortable where the Bruceisms come out. How would you handle Bruce? Um, I mean, probably similarly to Katora. I think what Katora's been good at doing is leaving her frustrations in the confessionals versus, yes. um, you know, confronting Bruce head on, even though they had like a little tiny bit of a, a moment of like a tiff. Um, I think it's someone that you just have to like smile and, you know, laugh at in the moment and then like bitch about behind the scenes. <laughs> Now, Katora will be annoying in my opinion as she talks about the desire for wanting push presents. What are they? Well, it's like when you're having a baby and you get rewarded, rewarded for creating life. And Bruce is like, your present is the child. Have you ever heard of the concept of a push president? I haven't, no. But I feel I, like that's just a very like straight world thing. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> um, Katora is trying to hold it in and is hoping others are alerted to the Bruce of it all. And finally, the kids will get the experience. Kelly will say that she's worried about the challenge and there's single papaya left and Bruce will be Bruce by saying they are eating now. And he will literally say it and immediately try to take it back that skipping a day of food is the dumbest thing. Mm. Katora finds it disrespectful that four out of five agree to not eat and he is mansplaining. Bruce will tell us confessional that people his age don't debate things. Oh boy. So we're going to witness Bruce berate Caleb, who is talking about getting wood. And Bruce is like, you want to talk about it or you want to do it? Mm. Caleb is now seeing the light. Katora has hoped that they are seeing what she's been seeing. Now, Caleb finds Bruce a bossy leader who barks orders as he's already doing things. He says he's frustrating, but says, if you can bend your knee to the enemies, they'll see you coming. If you can't bend your knee to the enemies, you'll see them coming from a mile away. Very Game of Thrones of him. Obviously, we know that Bell, this group of contestants, they're not going to travel. No one's going to eliminate it. Is this a setup for the next step of the game? I mean, I hope so, because I, I'm kind of getting to the point now where this, like, Bruce versus Katora storyline is getting a little stale for me. So mm -hmm. I just hope, like, one of them beats each other to the punch sooner rather than later. <laughs> is it possible? Because we've gotten a lot of content with Caleb and Katora that Caleb might take the lead of getting Bruce out not for mm. not Katora doing it herself like yeah i could see that it would be smart on her end because it's the, the she's technically not betraying him right but we'll see we'll see how it's gonna uh turn out because i think caleb's in such a fascinating position mm -hmm. let's go back to reba mcintyre's friends on reba beach with sifu in the water the girls talk about sean and how they wish he just quit Jay will ask if they believe what he told Sifu, and Julie does, and Dee cannot and will not answer, as she will say that he respects him even less. Um, she's very good at diverting questions. She will talk to us about how she cannot fathom quitting as she talks to us about her family. Another flashback situation. Two and one epi. Very interesting. She tells us that her family is why she wants to succeed. She was born in Cuba and is an immigrant as she and her brother were brought to the United States. She says every time she thinks that she is starving out there, she tries to cut out the thought by reminding herself that her parents starved in Cuba their entire lives until they came to the U.S. They had one piece of bread for the entire family while she's out there at least drinking fresh water while they had to carry buckets on their heads over flights of stairs. 
She says that quitting is not an option for her as she doesn't come from a family that quits. All right, so that's all we're going to get here, but we had two very different stories with the same sentiment, not quitting and not giving up. Mm-hmm. Do you think this was Jeff's way of telling us future players, do not think about doing it yourself because these are the real survivors? That won't do. Do not quit. I don't know. I mean, if they really believed that sentiment, then wouldn't they have tried to like vet out Sean and Hannah like a little more closely before they cast them? <laughs> I'm <just> listen, <laughs> listen. All I'm gonna say is Jeff and his little podcast. He says things he's allowed to say because things have happened, but he is still using the word "voted out" mm-hmm. twice. Yeah, and and like Jeff also has the Zoom call with the people. Like he talks about this before they're cast and everything like you can't suss that out like that these people might not I mean, have surely someone who was working with hannah knew she was a smoker right 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 come on okay well the girls are back to talking about how they had the most perfect plan but left with the worst possible outcome with a lot to unravel sifu is going to stand over julie while she's cutting a coconut between the amount of machete shots we get with this tribe, I'm very concerned. I'm very, very concerned. <laughs> he says seeing his name was a big wake-up call, and he is a dormant volcano that was triggered. The volcano is ready to rock and roll. He will try to get someone to give him information as he thinks all three women are playing him. But he does have a trick up his sleeve, a fake idol. Mm. Now, looking at it, I was like, meh. But what we're going to see later on in this episode, I was like, okay, sir, you did well. I Okay, can I just, like... This is sort of related, but I don't understand Dee and Julie's thought process regarding this idol. Like, why are they so convinced that Sifu has a real idol? Thank you. They know that Austin and Drew have the real one. Unless they thought for some reason that like when the tribes swapped, like production planted a new idol, which I can understand because like, you know, there's so many like new rules and twists with like the new era or whatever. But it just doesn't make sense to me that like they're so convinced that like he has an idol that they have to worry about. I agree. I don't understand it. I really do not get what they're thinking. Now we're going to see him take some bits and bobs to create this fake idol over the course of the previous days. And he is hoping people will believe it's real. He will float the thought over D that he is not worried he has his advantage. It's like an idol. And he's like, Mm. what is with this cast and telling people about shit? I think the problem is that like it's just become so normalized now and like there's so many advantages and everything that it's like and like there's also so many advantages that require like someone else working with you. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. it's really hard for you to like keep anything a secret anymore. Um, but still, like, even if it was like an idol, though, I would be hesitant to share that information with someone right. else. Now, D says she's jealous of his insurance plan, but let's again remind ourselves, as you just said, she knows the T. She knows where the evil idol is, but we're, yeah. we're, we're going to get to it. We're going to continue talking about it. Sifu. Oh, boy. We'll share that in Tai Chi. They have something called push hands, where you feel out your opponent and try to throw them off balance, but you have to read their energy first. He says it's how you learn to fight. Now, maybe it's me, but between the love of machetes and his love for talking about fighting, this man is scary. What is with this intimidation tactic? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like he's so, like, goofy, though, too. Like, I can't really take him seriously when he's saying Oh, he's so goofy. I I got a picture with him at that little after party, and he made a crazy face. I was like, fine, I'll make a crazy face, too. (laughs) Take a silly one. (laughs) Jay, who's using her voice for something... Claims that she thinks Sifu Thifu she put down, and for the record, she didn't. 
But when she says, sure, this will be her fatal flaw. Can't wait to talk about her brilliant plan. Yeah. She will tell Julie that she thinks Julie and Dee have to act like the three of them are not working together, and Jay will say that she wrote Caesar's name down. Why? Sandra Dee and Swine won twice before people caught on by playing the anybody but me strategy. Offering your name on a silver platter is dumb as the morons who do it on Big Brother. Just stop. Stop okay. doing it. What is she thinking? I don't know. I mean, maybe she thinks that it's her only option because she kind of recognizes the fact that she's like on the bottom of the D. Julie hierarchy, but yeah, this plan was just like, girl, what the fuck? Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can curse. I, I do it all the time. I mean, Jay is operating under the assumption that Sifu has an idol and thinks if they lose, Sifu will vote her out. She believes that her only lifeline is convincing Sifu that she is on the outside and that she voted for him and he doesn't need to play his idol. She's going to be the decoy. Now with D back, Julie is so excited for her to hear Jay's plan because these ladies, they know the tea. Mm -hmm. D likes him. Julie is on board. It's Operation Throw Jay Under the Bus. And she says it makes the most sense as Jay and Sifu don't have a great relationship. D thinks this is a smart move just to flat out vote Jay when they go to the next tribal as she has been at the bottom. She has no strong alliances. She thinks they have to be strategic and weigh out the options. Now, D and Julie will chat about what the best move is. They want Sifu's idol out, but it may not have to fight that battle as they can just vote out Jay. Mm hmm. But she is really intrigued by actually sending Sifu home with an idol in his pocket. But it's not there. I, yeah. Girl! What? <laughs> Do you think this is just weird editing and, and they're they're Frankensteining this? Possibly. But again, I, I, so, I also think like, they maybe just think that because of the swap that like another idol got hit. That's the only thing I could think of. Now, what would you do, and why is it get rid of the Silly Goose, Jay? And congrats for taking the title of Silly Goose of Survivor 45 from last season, Silly Goose, Jamie. Um, I think Sifu like, will always be an easy vote, so I, th I think maybe they're just thinking, like, if we get Jay Maya out, come the merger later on, like, we can just, like, easily get rid of Sifu later. And that's what's crazy, is the two of them are both very easy votes, but I think Sifu is slightly more dangerous because he doesn't think he has the ties with the women. So he is a number that could flip. Mm -hmm. Jay at this moment in time thinks she's part of the women, but doesn't realize if she is part of the women, she's actually number five because Austin and Drew are above her too. Yeah, Again, true. which is why I don't understand the strategy from Jay and, uh, from Julie and D because they have the other two. They don't fucking need Jay at all. Mm -hmm. Very confusing. Yeah. Survivor overthinking, I think, coming into play a little bit. I mean, again, what are you going to do for 24 hours a day on a beach where you have literally nothing to do but strategize? Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, or talk about how you have weird toes that can pull things out of the crowd. <laughs> I still think that's going to like come about somehow later on. Like, you know that challenge is coming. That challenge is coming. The, <laughs> there the, has the, to be a reason. The challenge with the foot, that. it's coming. Oh, yeah. Well, they have to slay like, it. Watch it be like foot. a final four thing, and that's how she gets to the... Um, to the end, I don't know. <laughs> it's challenge time now, though. Let's get it on. First, new Bello and new Lulu seeing new Reba with Sean voted out. Also, again, he said voted out, not quit. Do you think mm -hmm. Jeff can't say quit as it would alert other questions? Well, I mean, Sean technically was voted out, so I'll give him that. Exactly. Hannah wasn't, exactly. so um, I don't know. I mean, I think like I'll give it to him on that one. For this immunity challenge, one at a time, they will race through a massive three-level obstacle course, collecting keys along the way. Once three players are there, 
The remaining player will use the keys to release a long hook to get their sandbags. Then they will race to fire the sandbags at three targets. First two tribes win immunity, and in addition, the winning tribe will get 10 fresh fish and everything they need to cook them. Second tribe will get a smaller batch of fish. Losers go to tribal and lose their flint. Bella will sit out Emily, and Lula will sit out Kelly, who is not happy about it. How would you do in this challenge? Oh, I would have loved this challenge, especially I would have done the beginning part for sure. That's like yeah, you, you like eye. climbing things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the race is on. Kendra, Caleb, and Sifu are out first, and it's Caleb in the lead, but overall, very even match. Caleb will get to the mat first where Katora heads out. Austin and Jay will be the next for their tribes. We will continue on, and Lulu is leading, though Jay will somehow take the lead, which is the mm. biggest shocker. Who thought Jay could do anything? Yeah, she's slayed. Our final group sees Brando, Bruce, and Dee grabbing the last sandbags. And again, very, very even match. Lulu will get their sandbags first to Jake, but Julie will get the lock first as she has her, some survivor luck. Julie is struggling to release the sandbags, but ultimately gets it as Drake and Drew fall behind. All the bags are ultimately released, and it's fire away. What's the secret of the slingshot? Is it getting down? Is it strength and aim? How do you succeed at firing the slingshot? I think you have to make sure that you pull it back far enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's one thing that people tend to do. But I haven't now, it, so I don't know. Now, I know that sometimes the contestants will, they obviously get a walkthrough of the challenge before they run it. Mm-hmm. Do they get to try the slingshot or not? I don't think so. I mean, I know like back in the day, right? Like they used to give them like the bow and arrow to practice or whatever. Right. But like, yeah, I don't think they do it with the slingshot. Can you 3D print a slingshot? <laughs> I bet Carson could. <laughs> All right, Jay is going to miss. Bruce is going to miss. But then Jay, shocking, is the first to hit a target. Did not see that one coming. D will follow suit. It comes down to Sifu, but Bruce will nail a target. Sifu will fire away, and it's over. Reba wins. Did mm. not have that one on my bingo card based on everything mm. we saw so far. Yeah, no, me neither. It's down to Lulu and Bello. Katora will hit her target. Only one target left. Kendra will sub in for Austin, though it's not enough. Caleb nails the target. Lulu gets immunity. And Bella will be heading to Tribal Council for the first time. Now, I just want to go back and talk about the sound department and the sound effect for the slingshot being pulled back. It was very aggressive. They really are aggressive with these sound effects. <laughs> I didn't notice that. but I Go, go back and listen. And, yeah. and the one that's the worst is the mud. The mud sound effect, they are like, let's put it on 100%. And I'm like, no, that's disgusting. I mean, listen, I know there's a lot of ASMR people out there. They love that kind of shit. But um, you know what? Maybe that's what I need to do. Survivor ASMR. That's how I'll get some money. Do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> now, since this is Survivor, Jeff has a little twisty poo for his little lab rats. Reba will get to determine who will be going on a journey. And yes, the nominee from Bella will return back to camp before going to tribal council. Do you like it being this close to tribal? No. I mean, I don't like the journeys in general. So I would just anything related to that, I'm just going to say no. That's fair. That's fair. Do you think this is stuck in the new era or will it be retired at some point? I don't know. I mean, they they haven't done it in the past three episodes. I thought it was kind of just quietly getting faded out. But unfortunately, it reared its ugly head back. So I guess uh, we're stuck with it, unfortunately. Well, let's see if the brains are working on the predominantly red tribe. They will play rocks, paper, scissors to allow Jay to go on the journey. Okay. They will send Kelly for Lulu because she sat out. And for Bello, they will think, okay, Let's not think about numbers and send Austin causing their red majority to be in the minority on the beach before two people can talk to one swing vote. Mm-hmm. 
I would have sent Emily. I don't know what they were thinking with that. Correct. Jay will say they picked Austin because they wanted information, or as Jay says, it's about many things. And Austin's face, he knows how much of a silly goose this move was. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you have handled the picking? I like, like I said, like if I got picked for that, I would have been so pissed off. Like I would, I almost would have wanted just been like, can someone else go instead of me? Or like, if anyone else wants to go, like I'll give up my spot just because I feel like the advantages that they get on the, and I'll talk about this later when it comes to like the sandwich, they're just not advantages. Like most of the time they're disadvantages and I just don't want to deal with it. So I'd rather just go back to the beach and like not have to worry about it at all. I really just want to know what this this thought process is. Was it Jay making an audible and saying this is what she wants? Did the other three decide, yeah, this is probably the smart move? Why mm-hmm. Austin over Drew? Now, again, we know that uh, Julie and Dee know that Austin does have some tricks up his sleeve. But again, mm-hmm. like you put him in fucking danger. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. All right, time for Emily to make a really tough decision before going to her fourth tribal. Mm. Now, we're going to start with the journey. Uh, It is a little out of order, but that's how I like to do things. The boat is speeding along to this mysterious island where Austin and the girls will head on their journey. Kelly is on the beach with two people she has never met who happen to be two OG Reba numbers. She is feeling like an odd man out, but thinks it's a good opportunity to get to know them and make two allies. Right, sure, go, good good for you. They read the note that tells them that they will have a decision to make, but first they must trek to the top of the island. And this hike is on, and it is a fucking trek. How would you do on this with no food in your belly? I mean, I wouldn't want to do that. Are you kidding? I mean, I, I saw that they put, like, guardrails and stuff that they can, like, climb up. But, like, I still wouldn't want to do that if I'm, like, hungry and I don't have any energy. Right. When they do to get to the top, they are spent, and what do they see? Food. It's three sandies with orange juice. And then on the other side of the table, there are three idols. And yes, again, they could have been in Sifu's fashion collection. <laughs> They're actually amulets, not idols. Well, here's the decision. They may only choose one majority rules. One, option one, sustenance. Food is scarce. This meal will boost your morale and physical, physical energy, giving you big advantage of the game. Option two, strategy. These amulets offer each of you an advantage, but they come with a catch. When you decide to play your amulet, they must be played with all the other amulets remaining in the game, which means you must work together. The twist, the fewer amulets in the game, the more power you have. Three amulets have the power of an extra vote. Two amulets have the power of a seal vote. One amulet has the power of an immunity idol. The last time you amulet can be used in any capacity is when there are six people left in the game. Now, for those who need a refresher, the amulets were first introduced in Survivor 42 during the marooning where Hydrea and Lindsay had them and they were ultimately never used. And Jeff said, I want them used, bring them back. This is where the eye rolling that you were talking about comes into play. <laughs> Before we get to the decision, what would you do? What do you think the answer is? You want a food. Sandwich. There is a hundred percent. There's not even a question in my mind that I would have picked the sandwich. Especially since you just talked about the fact that it was introduced in 42 and it was like such an irrelevant aspect of the game that like no one even cared and like it wound up amounting to nothing. The fact that like the third, like the three people together, that power is so insignificant. There's no point. And especially after hiking up that mountain 
and like wasting all your energy on nothing, I would have a hundred percent taken the sandwich. Now, if you if you played this and let's say it was three people who actually were allies who had the three amulets, do you think that would give Jeff the result that he wants? Um, I suppose, but I feel like that would be a hard situation to come across in a pre-merge situation, right? right? Unless like the numbers for the swap like worked out for them. Because it could have, if, if the swap works out, you could have had three Reba OGs, but True. Austin wants a sandwich and the girls are like, really? Now, to be fair, they don't know his weapon arsenal at the moment. He just wants food and thinks the amulets don't have much power, viewing them as a disadvantage because you need to use them together and it upgrades when they are eliminated. The last thing he wants to do is make his target even bigger. Austin claims if they take it, not only does he have a bigger target, but they will then have an incentive to knock each other out. Something we had already seen. Mm-hmm. Jay's pro amulet. So it's Kelly time. She has to make a decision. She is smacked up in the middle. And for her, it's the angel saying, eat the sandwiches and stay the safe course while the devil saying, you need the advantage. Kelly rationalizes that this is the new era survivor and you need an advantage to get through the game. Is it possible Jeff tells everyone during their casting that it's all about taking the moment and idols and strategy and advantages? That's the other thing that drives me crazy too, because I feel like they are pushed so hard to be like, oh, like you have to, you have to take a risk. You have to get the advantage, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like the majority of the winners that have won in the new era, like didn't have an advantage, right? Like Erica didn't Jim, have Jim, didn't. just smashing the hammer. Marianne had an idol. Gabler, I don't think, had anything. Jam Jam didn't have anything. So, like, does it really work? Like, does it really matter? Yeah. And that's why I keep saying Jam Jam is such an important winner, not because he's a gay, but because he used his social game to win the game, and that pisses Jeff off so much. Exactly. Like, at the end of the day, despite all the things that they've done to change the game, Survivor is still, at its core, a game about social relationships. If I ever, if I ever get the chance to speak with Jeffrey Marie Elizabeth Propes, I am telling him, get rid of the fire-making Final Four. Just, just get, get rid of it. It's stupid. Does not yeah. work to your advantage at any time anymore. Among other things, yes. All right, well, after the commercial break, we return to the decision desk in question. Kelly says this may be the only opportunity they get. Jay wants to keep her options open and says they can make a pact that no one touches each other until seven left in the game. And well, once again, Jay makes a pitch that swings a decision. What? Okay, fine. Kelly's pro amulet. Austin has to succumb to only smelling warm turkey that's been sitting out there for four hours. Yeah, I, was, I, I will say uh, that sandwich didn't look that appetizing to me, but... I got, like in the moment, I probably still would have wanted it. How's this going to work? Will this newborn alliance work? Or are they just going to happen to pretend that a pact was never made? Yeah, I know. That's the another annoying thing about the challenge. The journey too is that you have to like come up with some story when you come back. Well, it's back to starving. Allies are better than food, said no one ever. Jay says this is the best day of Survivor while Austin says this has probably been the worst day. Oh, Reba, sounds like a sitcom waiting to happen. <laughs> all right let's go check in with bello after they lose and feel like um what it's like to be emily a former lulu loser kendra does not like this part of the game but brando is like this is the whole reason we're here words he's gonna eat later on this episode mm-hmm. kendra says it's almost unreal that she could be leaving the game and emily will ask if they will do a chaotic scrambling or an organized scrambling which would you prefer 
I mean, from a TV perspective, obviously chaotic scrambling. But if I were playing the game, I think organized would be better, I guess. Speed dating? You like speed dating? Have you ever gone speed dating? I have not, no. Me either. I don't know how I would handle that. I don't think I would. No, I don't think I would enjoy that. All right. Well, King Drew will say he has a lot of respect for them. So they may do it in an orderly way. Thank you, sire. Thank you for your wishes. So it's time for the round robin scramble. Let's begin with Kendra and Emily. And Kendra pitches that she, Emily, and Bretto are the three. She feels the most secure with voting Drew. She doesn't want to get rid of Austin in case there is a physical challenge. Okay, fine. Good reasoning. Kendra doesn't want to be the worm. It's going to be Drew. She says he's not that big of an asset. He's tall, lanky, and running out of steam. I mean, facts are facts. Yeah, he did struggle in that portion of the challenge where he had to get the key off. So I think that is fair. Emily wants to know how sure she can get Brando in on the three. And Kendra's like, I got him a thousand percent. So let's see how Brando's feeling with Drew. Brando points out that it will be Drew, Austin, and Emily versus him and Kendra. So his proposal is he will give Drew a shot in the dark if he is willing to keep him over Kendra. The boy is an easy bottom. Now, spoiler alert, Brando said in an interview there was a lot more to this conversation. There was more discussions of the arsenal that Drew and Austin had, but alas, not in the set. It was not necessary. So Drew's going to offer Brando literally nothing in return. And yeah, this was easy peasy. Brando tells us it is a flat out lie, though, and hopes it's just a way to keep his name off of Drew's parchment. Brando wants to work with Kendra in order to keep his old Bella Alliance intact. He's also feeling good with Emily, but he will lie to get to day 12. Now, Drew calls Brando interesting as he didn't even put up a fight offering Kendra, so he is suspicious that he is being played. Let, let's talk about Brando for a second. He already got flat out rejected by Drew. Mm-hmm. And now he's trying to do this to Drew. Surely no one's believing him. Yeah, well, I think that's why Drew like immediately sussed it out as being a lie. Now the next round of speed dating is on, and I do not want, know why for the life of me Brando didn't try to pull Emily in first, uh, and he is now with Kendra, but whatever. Maybe it's something I missed. Maybe there was a, a deal before. Emily will tell Drew that Kendra pitched her on voting Drew. And then Drew will tell Emily about how Brando wants to work with them to get Kendra. Emily finds it interesting, but what I find interesting is how Emily says Brando's name. That's an A in his name, not an E. It's not Brando. Yeah, it says Brando, yeah. <laughs> Emily is confused, so she will go chat with the kids, so she will never get the name right. Emily will tell Brando exactly what Drew told her, and now Brando's like, what's funny is that he told me to make this move. So we're really deciding to deceive the middle lady. That's never worked out well, has it? Mm-hmm. Emily will tell Brando that she feels lied to by Drew as she was told Brando was pitching the plan. I mean, Drew didn't lie, but good on the little pokey twink for trying. Brando or yeah. Brando? Brando, Brando, whatever. Emily will tell us that it makes more sense to her that it would be more logical that Drew was the one pitching voting Kendra opposed to Brando pitching it. So Emily feels like Drew is not off to a great start. In a strange occurrence, Drew will veer off, leaving Emily alone with Brando and Kendra. And this is why sending Austin away was a bad idea, because when you have the two of them together, they can say things together. Right. Anyway, she will tell both OG Bellows that Drew claims Brando pitched voting out Kendra, and now Kendra has the rage burning inside of her. Uh, there's an ointment for that. <laughs> Kendra will now give us her best impression of a cat in a trash bag. And the kitty is hissing. Kendra is ready to bark, but she's got her mantra. Whatever, man. You know what? I'm going to try that mantra for a couple days. See how that takes me. 
I think it's I think it will serve you well. I think so too. Kendra is putting a trust in Brando and Emily to vote Drew out. She is hoping she will trick them, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Now, before Austin gets back, we will have Drew and Emily have their chat. So she tells him that if they're going to make move forward together, she needs him to be 100% honest and asks about the conversation between Drew and Brando. Drew will tell her it was Brando's pitch and she's not buying it. She thinks he's throwing it out there. Emily doesn't know who to trust. Meanwhile, Drew is like having heart palpitations. This was probably the first time where Drew was actually freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been very like confident almost bordering on cocky uh so i think this is probably the first time where he was sweating it out a little bit drew is now wondering if he could go home as he thinks emily could in fact swing the other way with austin back let's see how this can be solidified austin shares it was the worst journey of all time he's ready to see how the scramble went but he has to keep his story straight first he's going to tell his buddies that they had two options sustenance where they get to eat a sandwich or a lie he will claim they had to work together to bring up 10 bags of coconuts in an hour. And if you do that, you get an advantage. He tells them that he wanted the sandwiches, but it was a majority vote and tells them that they failed. What did you think of his little white line? Like, why didn't you just say that they got the sandwiches instead? <laughs> because I, because you know, one person will be like, can I smell your breath? True. Like Carolyn. <laughs> he lied to his tribe, but then he will tell Drew and Drew is alerted to the danger of the amulets and says they just have to vote the other two out. Um, maybe there's a storytelling for the season to come. I guess we'll see. Drew will tell Austin that they are coming for him and wants him to tell Emily about the advantage. Now let's remind ourselves of the advantage in pockets. Drew has safety without power and can dip out. Austin has a one-time use idol, which he can extend by sacrificing his vote, but also has the goodwill advantage to restore the vote. Remember a couple episodes ago when I called out shenanigans on this bullshit advantage to save the Macho Bro? Yeah, told you so. Shocking. Do they trust Emily to work with them or do they have to use advantages? What could go wrong? Well, Emily will sit down with Austin, who finds out about her moment of doubt. She didn't know who to believe, but Austin ensures her that Brando was playing and Drew was honest. She is still torn, but wants to position herself well before the merge. But no matter what direction she goes, she's burning bridges with either old Reba or Ord Bellow. We're going to see Austin tell her that it was 90% truthful and discloses the amulet to her. Decision is made. Emily wants power. She wants Adonis on her team. And here we yeah. are at Tribal, where everyone but Emily will get their torch lit as fire represents life. And once your fire is gone, so are you. Now, Brando says those words are, as a self-proclaimed superfan, Jeff saying those words, they, it's like looking at beautiful ambience, and it's hard to not be in awe. Would you be in awe at your first Tribal? I mean, I would, but I don't, yeah, no, I, I can't lie and say that I wouldn't be. Now, again, <laughs> like, we see what travel looks like, but I feel like I would be like, oh my god, look at all the cameras and where the cameras are hidden. That's what yeah. my brain would do. And the production would be like, stop, you can't do that. That's not how this show works. Mm-hmm. That's what I find more interesting than anything. I love television production. When I go to, like, a talk show, I'm not watching the fucking host. I'm watching how the cameras are moving and the stage manager. I find that more fascinating. Especially if it was one of the older ones, too. Like, when they really, like, put a lot of effort into the Tribal Council set, then I would have been, like, in awe. I'm over the huts. I'm over the huts. Give me something new. Like, you have the budget. CBS and Paramount have given you so fucking much money, you could easily take down and put a new thing up. 
It doesn't seem like they have the budget. <laughs> I mean, look at the look at the immunity idol. I mean, there's your answer. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh god. Austin says every cycle ends at tribal council. It is the ultimate moment where everyone puts their pen to paper and decides what happens. Emily says she is callous from tribal, but heading into the ringer, you've mentally prepared yourself for the battering cage that is tribal. She is over it, and it's her. She is the problem. It's her. She'll ask Brando about the swap and how he adapted. He says it was heartbreaking to know that he would not be with many of his old Bello members, but says new Bello is honestly where the focus of everybody else is pointed, and they're the only tribe that has relationships that span to everyone else in the game. He says his experience and relationship to old Bello makes him pretty valuable. Which is the same thing that Drew could say if he wanted to say it, but he didn't say it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the pitch. Drew says if you're well-connected, it could be useful for him trying to get through a complicated merge, but it could be threatening that you are also so established that there's no room moving forward to go. But come on, man. That's just not how the new era of Survivor works. It, numbers don't matter of your original tribe. It's all about the new connections. And also, didn't he just call himself out for what he could be as dangerous now? Right. Well, Brandon says that means he has knowledge of the cracks and having the knowledge of those relationships is valuable. Not that they just exist. Kendris will say that she hates the message sent through tribal. She says she is a pretty independent person and often doesn't trust people that heavily in her own life. So where her fire relies on the people she had relationships, that terrifies her. Drew says he came into the tribe not expecting to get along with Kendra, but they bonded over being open about who they are. Who is Drew? Smart and nerdy? Yeah, like, oh my god. I hate when these, like, people come out and they're, like, making basic observations about human relationships as if it's some, like, big revelation i remember like spencer doing the same thing being like oh my god like i can form relationships with people it's like oh god oh. he drew is really trying to be spencer 2.0 isn't he he's 100 giving me Oof. spencer vibes and that's not a good thing he says that level of personal investment steeps the decision he has to make he is not betraying a chess piece but betraying a real person he had a bond with and watch next season a big brother a player is dressed as a chess piece before they are betrayed <laughs> i want to see it <laughs> emily hates being the contrarian but says they came into the game knowing that they're going to get to know people for the genuine people that they are and then backstab them in the game of survivor it's all about survival shocking 45 seasons she finally realized mm-hmm. austin is asked if they have surpassed that part of the game about tribe strength and have shifted into the relationships for the merge he says definitely he says they know there are cracks in both the original reba and original bellow they have to figure out which group they can move into the merge with and work with them for the long haul not just for a vote for drew his vote is about looking down the periscope and seeing the big battle ahead with tribes coming together and colliding and ripping each other apart his vote is about best positioning himself for that, his surviving the onslaught. And I feel like him and C4 are going to get along great. I uh, can't wait for that scene. Jeff asks Emily if she's in the middle as he hears talks of Bella and Reba, but not of this five. He says it's odd because when she's doing the calculations about where she's going to be, she hasn't had an alliance in the game. She's analyzing socks with quantitative and qualitative components. And there I was lost. And it's like, I'm not that smart. I have a degree in musical theater. What do you expect me to think? I can't do this. She's going to try to dumb it down a little bit and say, you're doing the numbers of who has the majority as you try to calculate who could vote where, but says there is also who can she trust and what she needs. She needs a mix of both. This is the only opportunity to put their money where their mouth is and prove 
her loyalty. Now it's time to vote. We will watch Austin pull out his ammunition from the arsenal. He will sacrifice his vote to extend the lifespan of the idol and then use the goodwill advantage to restore his vote. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. There's all the excitement over. With a vote of three to two, Brando is voted out and is expected. Brando, Kendra voted for Drew with Drew, Austin, and Emily voting for Brando. We'll talk about what happens next shortly, but for them, was this the best move? I mean, for me, it was a win-win either way because I didn't particularly care about either Brando or Drew. Um, was it a good move for... Well, I guess really the only person that it matters is Emily, right? Because she was ultimately the one that made the decision because mm-hmm. the other two were just voting for the opposite tribe. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess we'll see how it plays out, right? Um, and that's and I'm going to put a pin on that because I think it's now going to be about numbers because we know what comes next. So I got some burning questions to wrap this podcast. And first, what is Brando's legacy? Who? Oh, poor kid, poor kid. <laughs> Apparently his best buddy is with uh, Brandon. That was new information we learned in his exit interviews. Mm. Well, I hope they had a great time in Ponderosa. Yeah. Um, who won the week? Who had the best episode? Um, I think this is the star episode for Kendra. She gave us some good moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Kendra was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of like entertainment, I was most entertained by Kendra. And ultimately, um, I guess storyline moving forward, I think D had a pretty decent episode. And also Kelly. Kelly was very much a silent um, winner here. Yeah, I think they're setting Kelly up for sure. Um, I think Couture's interesting because I feel like this is the first episode where we got some sort of like doubt in her story. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where that goes. All right. The merge is here. We don't know if it's mergatory. We don't know if they're getting some twist of some sort, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. Who's in danger, girl? Who is in danger? Um, I would say Jay Maya. Um, Sifu. Um, I think everyone else, like Emily and Caleb, I think are fine because they can just be pulled into like whatever way Reba and Bella want to go. I think it's going to be like a war between those two. Um, so yeah, I think my picks right now are Sifu and Jay Maya. Here's how I'm thinking. This actually probably was the worst move for Drew and Austin possible. Mm. Because now with one Bellow less, you have OG Bellow being like, oh no, we have to stick together to have the numbers. Mm. And at this point in time, the four of them have Caleb very, very well positioned. Caleb has an excellent relationship with Emily much stronger than Austin and Drew, there's your seven. You don't need to do anything else. What else helps is this little, little thing where Reba knows that they they don't want to have the massive target. They don't want to be seen as a one big unit. They will be able to sacrifice someone who's already said they will sacrifice themselves. Jay's gone. No one is sad if Jay is gone on Reba. Right. This, for me, solidifies what I will say with my next question. Someone from Blue is going to win the show. Yeah, that makes the most sense right now. Unless like it's a sneak, uh, like Emily Caleb situation where they can sneak their way in. But um, yeah, I well, see what you're saying now. That it's like a mistake that 
Drew voted them out because now they're seen as like a big block and like the other people can rally together. Literally his argument against Brando is going to be used against him. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they yeah. wanted to, Kendra could be like, it was all Drew and uh, have Drew as the target. But really, right. I think when it, if Reba knows that they're going to be down in numbers, if Caleb is able to swing Emily over, you know, if Julie and D are like, no, don't pick us. We will give you a name. You can get a majority of almost everybody but Jay voting for Jay and have an easy, easy merge vote. Mm-hmm. But this is also Survivor of the New Era. We might not even have this opportunity because it could be split in half and someone we like is going to go home anyway. True. She could be immune. After five episodes, the winner of the season is? Um, the winner of the season, based on the edit, is... I'm going to say D. I can see it. And, and that would uh, defeat the statement I just made about a blue person winning. Uh, maybe it's because I've been Team Katora from the beginning. Um, but I feel like Katora's arc is at least interesting because we're getting positive and we are getting negative. And she isn't being detrimental to anybody, but she is a strong player. Um, I was going to say Katora too, but this episode was so interesting to me because she got like a little bit of negative. But maybe that's right. just like a distraction. Right. And um, I, I feel like her, it, it's not a one in one, but I feel like her getting a little bit of negative is the same way that Marianne got a little bit of a negative where it wasn't like she's a terrible person. She's bad at the game. She's just a little not playing the way that everyone else wants to play the game. Mm-hmm. So that was why I think Katora's going to do well, but if we want to have a completely positive arc, D is an option. I think Kelly's an option too. Mm-hmm. She did get think, a hero. I don't moment. think um, the only thing with Kelly is I don't think she has enough personal content yet but maybe they're like saving that like you know like the story right. moment for right. like a future episode um i mean the the whole jake thing this is now the second time they we've seen him fall um usually in uh theater three is the magic number if he falls again i could see that being why we had this whole arc with him and he does get pulled for some reason mm-hmm. um but it's going to be a very interesting merge because i think this is a dynamic that's going to really um help because it, we had what four seasons where we didn't have any swaps and it was really some of the most boring early post-merge shit this is going to be exciting because now there's new relationships and jeff keep the fucking swaps i kind of wish they had one more episode with the swaps to be honest I agree. Though. you know like I one agree. more pre-merge episode but well yeah whatever all right well where can we find you on social media venmo and any projects you want to plug <laughs> venmo um Instagram is my name, James Piscucci, uh, P-A-S-C-U-C-C-I. Twitter is my name, I believe, with an underscore in it. Um, you know, I tweet about Survivor Big Brother. Um, that's basically it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.